1: Or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services.
2: Hey, warm and brother hello. Welcome to Lovey, Las Vegas. For Coast with myself, Craig Eats Peterson, now part of the Visa family of podcasts. And we got a tremendous podcast for you. As joining me in segment number two, we head out to the great state of Kentucky as Anna Terulo She does a great job covering all things Kentucky sports. She is going to be joining me. We're going to be taking a look at the lay of the land of the SEC. And we're going to be taking a look at the way that things have been transpiring this offseason for Kentucky. Can we expect to see a little bit more of what we saw in the global games with them being able to space it out, shoot a little bit more from three-point range? What can we expect from some of these year number two coaches in the SEC? As we know, there was not a ton of coaching changes made this offseason in the SEC. The big one was obviously over there at Ole Miss, but we had like six last offseason. So we're gonna be diving into if we could see a little bit of a year two bump with a lot of those SEC schools and talking a lot about the Wildcats as well. And if we can see a little bit more of that backcourt this season as well. And if you do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore eighty one. Keep in mind letters M, they mean does not matter size per usual. Please do send these into the timeline. And the other way, that's find an Apple podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast five, that five-star review. As you guys know, with doing a conference preview yesterday, we did the self one. That means that we've got to round up the last 48 hours of college basketball news and notes. And we really didn't see a ton. We did get one piece of news and that. Mr. Andre Gordon, who has spent the last, I believe now, four seasons with Texas A&M. He is going to be in the transfer portal. Not a guy that really made too much of an impact last season. Last season, he was able to put in there a little bit over two points, a rebound and half per contest, played in 35 games. So, I mean, he was out there doing a little bit. His real stock really peaked during the 2020-21 season when he was able to register about eight and a half points, 2.7 assists, the per contest. That season, shot about 31% from three-point range. He's a nice little glue guy, not someone that you're going to be building your program around. But at six foot two, he's able to provide a little bit of size and more of the ball handling guard position. And really saw starts his first three seasons at Texas A&M fell off a little bit last season, so he is out in the transfer portal, but as we know, a lot of the player movement, that is now done, so now we are getting more solidified in all these conferences, and we're going to be talking about that next with Anno, does great work covering the SEC, we're going to be taking a look at Kentucky, the entirety of the conference, and so much more on the flip side, here on Coast to is myself, David Peterson, now a part of Decent Family Podcast.
0: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: It not be That's my goal.
0: <laughs> Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: love to Las Vegas. For Kessie Kessie with myself, Greg Gibson Peterson, now part of the VCU family podcast, and it is great to be joined by this lady as Anna Tarullo does a great job covering the great game of college basketball, really all things college sports out there in Big Blue Nation. <laughs> she does a tremendous job. Take a look at SEC football, SEC basketball. List goes on and on. You're able to follow her on Twitter at her last name Tarullo and then the word tweets. And that last name is spelled. T-A-R-U-L-L-O, and Anna, it is great to have you aboard. Thank you.
3: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to come on
2: anytime. Absolutely. I'm happy to have you aboard, and I have a fear that before long, it's going to have to turn into, like, Tarullo Xs or posts or whatever because of everything that is happening, and (laughs) it's a very strange landscape since you joined me a few months ago. Twitter is now X. The Big Ten is now going to have 18 teams, so while things (laughs) are changing... Some things do remain the same, and what remains the same is that Kentucky remains very much at the forefront of news because the last time we were talking, Kentucky, they had some issues with regards to depth. You knew that the freshman class coming in was going to be rock solid, but at the same time, you didn't know who was going to be back in the fold. Now we know that they are going to be having Antonio Reeves back to be able to help out that backcourt, and additionally, they picked up Trey Mitchell, who's going to be coming over from West Virginia How do you think that affects this Kentucky team? Because I do feel like with Kentucky, whenever they have these one-and-done guys because they've got one of the best freshman classes that you're going to find in all of college basketball, you do need a little bit of veteran experience. Maybe not like a whole bunch of it, but you need something. And I think that Reeves and Mitchell do a very good job of being able to check that box.
3: Oh my gosh, absolutely. I mean, shoot, so much has changed, I guess, since the last time we talked. I'm trying to (laughs) recall. Was that when they only had like seven guys on their roster? Pretty much. Yeah, man, everything has changed from Cal's swagger level to experience to, you know, their front court is looking completely different. Just having Antonio Reeves back adds so much, and you mentioned it there, because of the experience, that is such a young backcourt. That's huge, just to have, you know, somebody who's been there before. That's what was so interesting during that time period, probably last time we talked, It was hard to justify being so excited about this number one chock full of talent class if there was no one else surrounding them. So huge to get Reeves back. I honestly didn't think that was going to happen. It came down to really the last minute. So that's a big, that's huge for Cal. And then Trey Mitchell, it was a good Thing when it happened, obviously West Virginia's loss is Kentucky's gain there. But then, as you kind of mentioned earlier, the global games in Canada, who got on so he was hurt. Aaron Bradshaw, another piece of their front court, is hurt. So to have Trey Mitchell there, be able to kind of add some depth there, is a really, really big deal.
2: Yep, I absolutely think so as well. And what I think is so interesting about the SEC as well, I'm not sure how you feel about this conference, but the way that I evaluate this conference is. It is the one in which you do want to be peaking the most late and It is the one that sees typically the most volatility from the beginning of the year to the end of the year because I'll notice it so often where you have these teams in the SEC that they bring back a lot of frontline talent. They've got your rock-solid defenses like, I hate to pick on this team, but Tennessee, they seem to always get off to a really nice start because they bring back all these guys. You know exactly what you're getting. They have good chemistry, but they just don't have the overall talent of say, in Arkansas, and Kentucky, and as those guys get more refs, they become stronger and stronger. Could you see the exact same thing happening in the SEC this year? Because I do take a look at what is being brought in by some of these teams in the transfer portal, and I think that we could be looking at a lot of deja vu.
3: Absolutely, and that's funny. Tennessee was the first one who came to my mind as well. You could have a stellar regular season, and they always seem to tank, you know, in those. Not too late of a weekend in the NCAA tournament. always seemed to kind of fizzle out, but Absolutely, especially this year, with so much youth, and I could just really speak for Kentucky right now, you always want to temper expectations the beginning of the season, especially when you're working with injuries, especially when you're working with such a new, young, inexperienced team. We even saw that. I think I was having like a throwback day talking about John Wall's time at Kentucky and even his first year, you know, they struggled in some of those early games against Miami of Ohio against other teams. But as long as you're peaking at the right time, we even saw the opposite, not even necessarily just in the SEC, but I think two seasons ago when Kentucky went to Kansas and just obliterated them at home. And then Kansas is the eventual national champion that year. So not to say regular season doesn't matter, but, you just have to take it all into consideration, especially you can't put all your be- eggs in one basket and all of your expectations super high to start out the season. Though Kentucky's non-conference schedule is looking really good, and I think they will be battle-tested. They even have you know, Gonzaga in the middle of conference play, which I feel like kind of balances out not only expectations, but I think it's good to have that I- intra-conference experience throughout the season and to kind of really front load the schedule with
2: that the return trip with regards that kentucky versus gonzaga battle that is going to be a lot of fun as well and it's always just refreshing to see those sort of games like when we saw texas go up against gonzaga a few years ago as well i think that that is just good overall for the game as we do have anna tarulo joining me right here on coast to coast i do think it's interesting as well because i know they do a good job covering the front of college football as well as something I've been talking about last two weeks or so with regards to this podcast is that I do think that there's a few takeaways that we can have from college football for college basketball, because as we know in college basketball, there's a lot of guys that they entered in the transfer portal for a second time, a third time. In the case of some of these guys, they've just become Van Wilder and they're just going on a (laughs) barnstorming tour of going to just so many different college basketball schools. And we notice the NCAA with college football strike down a lot of these waivers. There's been a few in college basketball, like Omar Silviero going back to West Virginia. He was supposed to take the floor for them. His career is now done because the NCAA denied that waiver how much you take a look at some of these teams within the SEC and the prime example that comes to mind for me is Ole Miss that are relying upon these two-time waivers and I feel like these are teams that they very much are the most volatile because you just can't bank on some of those guys for like Ole Miss you go down the list of teams that are banking on those guys being out there on the floor yeah I
3: mean even at Kentucky relying heavily on um, some transfers here. That is really interesting, and and I think with conference realignment, with anything, you do kind of see it. Uh, football is kind of the harbinger there. We see it happen there first. But even Coach Cal is just talking about that on SportsCenter this week, and, and he was kind of a proponent a bit of changing that transfer portal because I read a crazy stat like twenty percent of people playing college basketball. Have entered the transfer portal from last year, twenty percent sometimes it 's like a thousand guys will get picked up and get a scholarship, but eight hundred won 't and then that even you know trickles down to start to affect high school recruiting. I do think they need to regulate it a bit more just because I feel like there's so many advisors there's so many higher ups higher level people at these universities who don't know the complete rules and are okaying for kids to enter um, and to come to a school and they may not get to play. I feel like in basketball, we haven't seen eligibility hurt quite as much. I know you mentioned the guy at West Virginia, but I I don't know. That's hard. Because Bob Huggins left, how can you control these guys' eligibility When it's such a coaching carousel, a coaching change, and you don't know who you're going to get, it's changed the whole landscape already. And Cal even, he talked about that on SportsCenter. He was like, you know, it's one and done in a different era these days. It's one and done with transfers now. I mean, it was a huge deal for Kentucky to get Antonio Reeves back. I think in the future, maybe they regulated a bit more. He wouldn't have been able to, you know, enter his name and leave and come back, leave and come back. Same with Lugano on Yenzo.
2: Yeah, that was very interesting to take a look at as well. I know that there was a lot of speculation with Antonio Reeves, but when it's all said and done, there should be nothing that happens with his eligibility. So we are all looking good on that front as well. And what I think is a very interesting SEC, because I do think that the maneuvering with regards to a lot of these rosters has been very solid and, we didn't see really much turnover with the guards and coaches this time around in the off season. And some of these assistants, obviously, with Alabama having to hire on some new assistants, that's going to be a little bit of a change over there. But I feel like that is to the benefit of the SEC, other than really the Chris Beard situation over there at Ole Miss, them picking him up, and I think it's going to be very big. But what are some of your expectations for these year two and year three coaches in the SEC? Because last off season – we did see a lot of guys come in like a Chris Jans over there at Mississippi State A school uh-huh. that I happen to be relatively high. on. I do think that this could be a year that Florida breaks out as well.
3: Yeah, it could be for sure. I, I just still think nobody's going to come in and extremely change the climate. Nate at Alabama. Eric Musselman at Arkansas. you got Cal. You've got Rick Barnes at Tennessee. Those are still the ones I'm keeping my eyes on. I don't see too much changing right now in the landscape of who else is completely... That's right. LSU was a bit last season, but they got to get a few games under. But I am interested to see Chris Beard at Ole Miss. I think he'll be good. I think that's not a bad fit there for him.
2: Yep, and ironically enough, come next year, he's going to be battling against his old school in Texas as well. So that is going to be... Very interesting to see when you get that first matchup between Ole Miss and Texas. That is going to be a lot of fun. And I do think that that is the most interesting roster because I was talking about some of these guys that may slash may not be eligible. And for Ole Miss, if they're able to get these guys out there on the floor, I mean, it's going to be a pretty stacked team. You bring in literally the biggest player in all of college basketball, and Jamarian Sharpoos. Seven foot five, and it's just a complete shot blocking machine. Moves to CSA at seven foot one. That is like an ultimate defensive team, right there. But even if they do have these guys eligible, as we know, the name of the game in the SEC is being able to put the ball in the basket. Three point shooting has been lacking, but these teams they like to go a little bit more up tempo. And I do wonder how that's going to work in the SEC because it feels like with Ole Miss and the way that they brought in so much size with CSA and Sharp. It feels like mm-hmm. they're sort of trying to zag while everyone else zigs.
3: Absolutely. And and how do you do that, though? If you're zagging while everybody else zigs, I mean, you can try to go your own way uniquely. But with that much size, how do you guard a small lineup? You know, how do you defend against that? You know, live by the three, die by the three, right? I- I'm not saying that's for sure the way to go. But we saw it with Kentucky last year as well, not having that go-to reliable shooter That's going to hurt you when it comes down the stretch. Um, Big men are great, but even look at Kentucky's big men this year. They're so versatile. You know, some of Kentucky's best players are just Justin Edwards, who's a guard, but he's an oversized guard, positionless, can shoot. I just think that creates such a matchup problem if you go the old school way. Because, you know, you can have athleticism on a shooting team like that. Great defensive players who can be a wing, you know, small forward kind of transition position but you know your prototypical big man will probably have you know quite the time trying to guard (laughs) a great shooting team but that's where I think Kentucky has done a good job being able to With Trey Mitchell, with Jordan Burks, with their new Croatian recruit they just got, being able to spread the floor, get your size in there, but also have these shooting starts and being able to spread the floor.
2: And you point out something so good as well. And I feel like the SEC did stare itself in the mirror this offseason, whether you take a look at Kentucky, Mississippi State, Arkansas. You go down the list. and For the SEC, I believe that they were dead last in all of college basketball with regards to three-point shooting percentage. Maybe the slack was a little bit below them, but we saw a lot of bad three-point shooting, to call it what it was, in the SEC last year. Now, granted, part of it was because you had these amazing three-point shooting defenses, Alabama, Tennessee. They were absolutely remarkable. You don't want to take anything away, but to call it what it is, the three-point shooting was really lacking. I really do commend these schools, though, for going out in the transfer portal, like Auburn, for example. They were able to bring in some three-point shooting. Andrew Taylor going from Marshall to Mississippi State. We mentioned all the players are coming into Kentucky like a Trey Mitchell. And I do think that the SEC really as a whole said, you know what, we are really lacking with regards to three-point shooting in these schools. Did a good job of addressing that in the offseason.
3: Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting because I do feel like, you know, their lack of success and just even relying on the three, I think it hurts the SEC come tournament time when other conferences can defend it better. Uh, but yeah, I don't think too much is changing in terms of the landscape or the foundation of the rosters these guys in the SEC are trying to build. Always need a sharpshooter. And I don't know, hopefully Antonio Reeves has a breakout um, year at Kentucky with that. He showed spurts of it like against LSU last season but that is something that's been missing from the last few John Calipari rosters for sure and come tournament time even come late regular season when people are fatigued when there's injury having the guy who can really knock that down they thought they had it in Kellen Grady thought they had it in um he just transferred to Cincinnati C.J. Frederick C.J. Frederick there you go oh my gosh thought they had it with him, didn't really deliver, but Antonio Reeves has showed a lot of, you know, spurts and some promise there. So hopefully he's the go-to guy on their roster this coming season and with the experience, you know, can maybe help them make a tournament run.
2: Yeah, Ben, how much did you take a look at the games that Kentucky did play in the Global Challenge and feel a little bit encouraged by it because – It did feel like Kentucky was trying to turn over a little bit of a new leaf, and you could tell that there was much more of a concerted effort to being able to take not just a few more threes, but just a few more threes in rhythm, just trying to be able to space out the floor a little bit more, and it felt like it was very effective in that series.
3: For sure, and even just confidence-wise, this just looked... I know after last season, there were pre pre preseason games in the Bahamas, and everyone was all up in arms, super excited about them, and... They looked good, but these were a lot more telling to me. I think because the competition was a bit at a higher level. This is a team that just plays hard. I think that's what's different. There's an edge to them that has been missing from Calipari rosters for a while, especially in that backcourt. I would say almost since, you know, the Tyler Euless years, just real hard, hard nose, hard edge kind of mentality. And I just love what I saw to Justin Edwards in those games. He kind of started out slower, wasn't necessarily hitting all the shots, but he kept shooting. And then by the end of the final two games, I mean, he put up nearly a double-double. He he just totally padded the stat sheet, so I really liked what I saw out of him. I just thought it didn't rock his confidence that he started off slower and ended up being one of the highest performers against some really great competition.
2: I do think that that was a really good test for Kentucky, and I do think that here in the SEC this year, they're once again going to be one of those top conferences in all of college basketball. I have a tough time going against the Big 12, but I think that you're looking at SEC Biggies being in that top three, and I think that We've got ourselves a tremendous season on tap. And Anna, I know you're going to be doing a great job of covering it all. I know that you're based out there in the great state of Kentucky and I know you're doing a great job taking a look at really all things on the front of college sports. So love the good people at home. Know they're able to follow all of your work on social media and other platforms.
3: Yeah. So yeah, just follow me at Tarula tweets. That's funny. You brought that up. I guess I need might need to change that name now that it's not called <laughs> Twitter anymore, but yeah, I'm just looking forward to the season.
2: Oh man. It is just so strange because you do see so many of those Twitter handles where it's like so-and-so tweets. and It's like, Oh man, we're going to need to update yeah. that. And, uh Elon Musk making a little bit more of a monkey wrench for all of us involved as I still have been calling it Twitter I don't think I will ever get used to calling it X I'm someone from Wisconsin so I still call where the Milwaukee Brewers play Miller Park rather than American (laughs) Family Field it's still the Dunkin Donuts Center out there in Rhode Island so you're able to go down the list these names they just never ever change and Twitter is one of them and Something that never changes is the great analysis and the hard work put in by Anna. Big thanks, sir, for joining me right here on Coast, Coast soups' now part of the Visa family podcast. And if you like hearing from this fine podcast, Coast, Coast soups Coast you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you do have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at Jaden underscore D1. Keep in mind letters, M, yeah, they mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other way, that's fine an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five-star, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire and whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Please do send in those questions, by the way, because as you can tell, the news and nuts of college basketball, they are pretty bare as we get kids back on campus. We should be seeing more come out about these player injuries with regards to things being cranking up with regards to practices. So we are on the rise in there, but and a little bit of a bear time here in late August, early September, which is why we have really cranked it up with the conference previews as I'm doing one for all 32 conferences here as I do every offseason. I believe we're through 21 now, so we've got 11 left, and once those are all served, we're going to be set for the upcoming season where I'll get you guys picks and analysis on every single game every single day, so appreciate you tuning in today, and I'll be back with you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.